The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspaugh-Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod. And so glad to be back with my best bud here. It's so good to be with you, Shannon. You have a different background than I'm used to seeing. Yes, I'm in the living room now. Living Normally room. I'm in the back room, but I'm in the living room today. So we might get some dog noise. Okay. Uh, we had and to I'm, rearrange I'm coming to you from my bedroom today. There we go. So we both, you know, we have family demands. We need to be in different places from time to time. So we're, you're, right. getting, you're getting the tour of our homes. Right. So, <laughs> this I'm sitting where the Christmas tree goes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but so excited to be here with you guys this morning and privileged to be here because I think I need you all this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm sad and upset and dismayed and a lot of things, Nancy, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Right. But I'm struggling. I'm struggling today. I'm I'm okay. struggling today, and I think sometimes we got to lean into the community. I want to I want to hear people's opinions, but I want I want to have a really um, respectful conversation. Uh, let's say that. So every everybody being respectful. But how are you, Nancy? Because we haven't seen you uh, at all this month of April because we've had so many other things going on. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Shannon. Everything's moving right along. Good, 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 good. Okay, so just to give people a little bit of notice about what we're um, doing right now, we're apparently we're having some difficulty. We're not live on Facebook at the moment, but we're live on YouTube. So I'm sure that we're redirecting people from Facebook and asking them to come to YouTube. We are going to have a wonderful guest here in a minute. Karen Nolte is going to be joining us. She joins us. Someone joins us once a month from Card Research uh, to talk with us about research topics. And today's topic, you guys asked for this. You wanted to know more information about listening therapies. So listening Karen, therapies. Okay. yeah. And so, Sorry, Nancy. Listening therapies. Can you give us examples of that? So uh, Tomatis, Berard, um, and there's there's a newer, it's interesting, we hadn't heard much about Berard, and I was saying Berald, uh, so that, you know, that could uh, confuse things, but we weren't hearing, you know, how things go phasally, Nancy, but like there's a phase where everybody's talking about this therapy or that therapy, and then suddenly nobody's talking about it, and uh, then it sort of pops back up a generation later, and all of a sudden people have been asking, so what about listening therapy? And that's exactly the phrase that they've been using. 
So we'll see, we'll we'll talk about this with Karen because they've asked to know the research behind it, and I think that will unveil a lot of different things. We're saying right. good morning to Ria, who says good morning. My son is going to be going doing online only uh, because ABA time needs uh, twenty hours. So are you doing ABA online or are you doing schooling online? Uh, let us know, Ria. Um, but in any case. Um, we're excited to be here with you. I should mention really quickly that we're live on a bunch of platforms, even though we're not live on Facebook at the moment because our restream is having difficulties. But we're live right now on YouTube. We're live on our homepage. And we are live on Twitter. And I, I really want to say hello to the folks on Twitter. And we're going to talk to the folks on Twitter because we've got a lot of stuff that came in in the night on Twitter uh, because of a tweet that I posted. So, um we also podcast the show in its entirety to pretty much any place where you get your podcast for a free download. We are, thanks to all of you, we are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide right now. And that's thanks to all of you. So we appreciate you. We, we want to reaffirm to you that we are here to provide information and inspiration and that we want that for the entire autism community for that starts with people who are on the spectrum of course but we also include on the show everyone who loves those individuals and that's really what it's about y'all is if you love somebody on the spectrum and you want to help them to support them for the things that they find important and you want to be an ally we all that's what i want i know that's what nancy wants and we want to help us and, and you to be able to do that. And we have to listen to folks on the spectrum in order to do that. Super important that we do that. Um, so anyway, check us out. You can also be watching us on autism-live.com. Um, that, that, that is a place where you can find all of our videos as well. So having said that, Nancy, and we're going to be joined by Karen in just a little while, we've got a bunch of news stories. Which one do you want to start yeah. with? Well, you had selected a very interesting article um, about uh, autism and knowing a woman, young woman, who is an autism advocate. She's actually, her name is Amy Gravino. And, and Amy's been impressive. on the show before. Oh, she's, she's been she's, on the show. She's been on the show before, and I reached back out to her the other day to see if she, and I'm waiting to hear back from her, but we welcome Amy to be on the show Amy's a very well-known um, self-advocate, a mover and a shaker, so intelligent, yes. so articulate. Um, she first came on the show to um, talk with us. She had graduated college and she came because she was working as a counselor for people who were going to college. Um, now she, she talks a lot about um, sex and sexual mm -hmm. issues for folks that are on the autism spectrum. But she's also featured in the new film. Um, that's it's a film version of the book in a different key, um, and and I haven't seen the film yet. But I know we want to get uh, John Donovan and forgive me that I cannot remember her name right now. Uh, the other co-author of a different key. I want to get them back on the show. But what I've heard is that Amy is the like she's the person who just levels everybody in the film because she's so articulate which is evidenced in this article, Nancy, that you were about to talk about. So go ahead. Yes, well, she um, had taken part of a study um, to find out what the cause of her 
autism was. This was a, um, she'd done this back in 2016. Uh, she had sent saliva sample to the Simons Foundation Powering Autism Research for Knowledge, SPARC. Yes, and, she had and we've had them on the show as well. Right. Uh, she, yeah. she had sent that to them to try to get genetic answers to her autism. And she did, Shannon. She she got um, a reply, um, you know, here five years later, that um, a rare genetic condition called Kleefstra, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, syndrome two is what caused her autism. Um, so but she finally got an answer and um, it was interesting the effect this had on her. Yeah, I think it's just a beautifully written article. I really want to encourage everybody to go and, and read it. Um, it's all over the internet this week. And if you Google Amy Gravino, you'll find it. She's so articulate. I think um, what she says about being bullied as a girl in, in junior high and high school and grade school and what she says about her understanding of herself now, I, I just think it's one of the most healing things I've read in a long time. And, and I think it's important that we listen to the thing. And she gives a wonderful history of her life, but includes all this fabulous information about autism. It's a good read. She's a really, she's a really good writer. And um, she's got a book that I, I, I think is out any day now about her life as a woman uh, having to deal with uh, love issues and I believe sex issues. I can't wait to read it because she's a really good writer. But I, but I sort of loved this whole thing about, you know, she sent in the sample because she wanted to be a part of understanding and years went by and she thought, you know, obviously I'm not gonna hear from them. Right. And then out of nowhere, here comes this, you know, message to her saying, guess what? You know, we did find a, 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 we, now you know why you are someone who's on the autism spectrum and her reaction to it. I don't want to give it away, but I think it's really, I think it's a really good read. It's a um, great read and I encourage everybody. It's on CNN opinion, but as you said, if you just uh, Google Amy Gravino, you'll be able to find this. And she really gives us a, a, a look into her world of growing up as a woman with Asperger's. It's, it's re I think it's really lovely. And as I said at the beginning of the show, I think it's super important. We have to listen. We have to listen to folks who are on the spectrum. And Amy's got a message that I think everybody is going to want to hear and see. And hopefully, um, you know, Amy will want to come back on the show. As I said, we had her on years ago um, and uh, would love to have her back on the show. Uh, okay, so what's next on our news agenda? Nancy? Next on our news agenda is coming to us out of Variety, the showbiz publication, an announcement that Jimmy Kimmel and Mark Rober uh, are hosting a YouTube live stream event on April 30th, um, which is um, going to be, it's called uh, Color, oh, I lost the title here. I think it's uh, color the spectrum. Color the spectrum. Yeah. Right, Shannon? Yeah, that's what I think it is. Okay. And um, color the spectrum. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And they are going to be doing this. It's going to feature musical performances, comedy skits, and do-it-yourself science stunts. Apparently, I'm not familiar with Mark Rober, 
<clears throat> are you familiar with him, Shannon? Yes, uh, and trust me, if you put on one, his, one of his videos, you will be too, because Wyatt will want to watch more of them. So okay. he, was, he was an ex-NASA engineer who left NASA to be a YouTuber. Okay. And I don't, I don't know what the timing of it was, but he's an ex-NASA engineer, and now he's a YouTuber, and he creates things uh, or does like a science experiment or, and, and like will we'll invent something or, or show an invention that does something. It's fascinating. You get sucked in. You're like, I'm not really going to like this. I'm not going to want to watch this. And then you find yourself glued to it. And it's always funny. He's hilarious. Like he knows how to do YouTube. Huge YouTuber. And kids love him, but the parents love him. Um, he's a really positive role model. He's the guy who like will fill a swimming pool full of those uh, jelly things and have his nieces and nephews jump into it. He creates like a mega gun to shoot things, but he'll explain the science behind it. He's a really like he's sort of like Bill Nye, the science guy. If right. Bill Nye were hip, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, he's he's just fascinating to watch. Well, so, I have to check him out and what. What's really interesting about this is he's revealed a side of him that we haven't seen before. And if you go to this, um, if you go to the Variety article that announces the special, you'll see it. There's a really well done little video here that shows him with his son, who he has been a little bit more guarded about. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware that Mark Rober has a son who happens to be on the autism spectrum. Yes. And he said in the beginning of this, uh, and, and it, that video was a lot like the videos that he does on okay, his YouTube right. program. So very informative, lots of quick cuts, funny things, you know, really cool. And he said at the beginning of this interview, he said, I'm, I'm coming forward with something. And I, you know, we've been really private about this because this is the internet and people are going to have reactions and this is my son and I'm trying to protect him a little bit. And, uh, but he did it because he said, it's time. I want to, I want to do this and we're proud of our son. We're not trying to hide him. Um, but we, uh, we also feel that it's really important to raise money for services. And in particular, this is the thing where I'm going to go off you guys in particular, he said, it's important to raise money for teens and adults on the autism spectrum. Right. Which because there's a lot of services for little kids, but we need more employment things and right. we need more services for adults on the spectrum. And that's certainly great. a drum we've been banging around here for some time. Oh my gosh. And it's great. And we know this is this is the same group of people that has done the Night of Too Many Stars, but in COVID. Right. Robert Smigel, um, who many people will yeah. know Robert Smigel's name. He also has a child on the spectrum two children on the spectrum okay. yes and so you know they've been doing this for years and all these comedians come out and support and they raise millions of dollars that go to many different charities most of them on the east coast but this year in particular they're focusing on raising money for adults and teens on the spectrum great mark rober puts this out jimmy kimmel's doing it everybody's doing it it's next friday and it's going to be on mark rober's youtube channel live live stream. So it's wonderful. They've already raised almost, I think they've raised over a million dollars or they're close to it. Right? right. And this is great because we need that money for teens and adults. We Here's do. what's not great is that 
a lot of people on the spectrum, self-advocates have come forward. Yesterday, we put out a tweet to Mark Rober and said, hey, we want to support you. Do you want to be on our live stream to tell our audience about what you're doing? And we had already seen that he was being hit hard by a lot of people in the autism spectrum saying that people should boycott this, that they should not participate. And, and they're, you know, they're saying, please don't. And, and this is what they hit us with yesterday saying, please don't have Mark Rober on. And, and when they explain why they don't want us to have him on and why they don't want people to give money to next, they're saying, don't donate because they're saying things like um, that you have to research the charities and that Next um, agrees with eugenics. Um, and there are a lot of allegations. And here is the thing that I wanna say, we talk all the time here about, I wanna listen to adults who are on the spectrum. I wanna listen, I wanna listen, I wanna listen, and I wanna learn. But I need for you guys to be very, very careful about casting allegations that aren't true. And, and believe me when I say that, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but when you start saying things about somebody that isn't true, that is, that is what is that? Is that libel or slander, Nancy? I'm, I'm never all clear about, I'm not a legal Libel person. is printed, slander is spoken. Okay, so, well, they're doing both about doing this, both. And, and, and it's not okay. And what I want you guys to think about is we're fighting really hard for people to not say untrue things about you. So please don't say untrue things about other people. I want to read to you from the website of Next for Autism from their mission statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but I, I want to read for you one particular section of this um, where they say the programs we support use a, a range of methodologies designed to meet the individual needs of people with autism. Uh, one is a behavior approach is one of these methodologies. Applied behavior analysis has been modified many times over since its inception in the 1960s and its evolution has spawned multiple variations that bear no resemblance to the kinds of conversion therapy treatments some are falsely claiming NEXT supports. Um, they also say NEXT partners with and funds various organizations across the country to fulfill our mission of expanding access to programs and services. Um, they talk specifically uh, about our partnership with groups such as Autism Speaks have been limited exclusively to that mission. Anyone using these partnerships to draw a line from NEXT to eugenics or any related, uh, anything related to the prevention and cure of autism is doing an enormous disservice to the people we serve by spreading gross untruth. They do go on to say, um, we understand the responsibility that comes with the support and attention we receive. Uh, recently, we launched an advisory board to include much more representation from the autism community and have com committed to including more autistic board members in the future. We welcome all individuals to question and critique any of the choices that we make. We only ask for an honest exchange of ideas and opinions. Next, we'll never support any group seeking to eliminate or prevent autism or cause individuals with autism to feel lesser for being on the spectrum. 
as we have for 18 years, we support those experiencing the triumphs and challenges of living with autism. So that is what they are saying, and uh -huh. they are trying to raise money for all, you know, for, for the very people who are saying don't donate to this organization. I really want people to think before they speak and to research. And I want both sides. I, 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 you know, I want us to think before we speak. I, and I want everyone to be clear. If you're going to make an allegation, you need to know that it's true. And, and I really think, based on the research that I have done about this organization, I think that this is a false claim um, I, I'm willing to stake my reputation on it right here. And I know that we're going to get some feedback about it, but this is an organization that has done more for teens and adults than probably any other organization. And all I can hear is my mother saying, don't bite the hand that's trying to help you. Right. <laughs> you know, um, like this, like if, if there's anybody here who, who's hurting teens and adults by saying, don't donate to this what are we doing here so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave that alone but i really want people to take another look and i really want to encourage people to donate to this wonderful organization because our teens and our adults need the help and support and the programs yeah the cause is, is a great one and unfortunately there has been some momentum behind this false position put forward so everybody as you said needs to do their research couldn't be further from the truth uh, that next is promoting eugenics. That is simply not true. Um, as you just heard from Shannon in their mission statement, they are there to empower uh, teens and young adults and uh, nothing more. So, um, And you got to think when somebody's telling you something that's not true and you have a reaction, like, if, you know, I, when somebody said this to me, I was like, oh, oh, that's terrible, right? But then you have to go do your research. And then when you find out what they told you is not true, you got to ask yourself, why are they trying to manipulate me into thinking something that's not true? Right. What, what stake do they have in this? And they're trying to, whoever is telling you this is trying to manipulate you into not raising money for the very group that you're trying to protect. Something's not right there. Dig deeper. All right. We have right. other stories. And then we, our guest is here, I believe. So what else we got oh. in the hopper there, Nick? Okay, um, another great article, which is, um, let me see where it's from, Essence. And it's an interview with Holly Robinson-Pete um, talking about breaking autism stigmas in Black communities and the importance of inclusive travel. And we all, we've had Holly on the show many times. Um, and Holly is the mom, she and uh, Rodney Pete, the former uh, NFL great, have a son, RJ, who is on the spectrum. And she has been an advocate for many, many years for autism. And um, this article is another great read out of Essence, uh, which talks about breaking stereotypes in the black community. And she also um, goes on to congratulate Beaches Resort and the amazing programs they have for young people on the spectrum. And she has taken advantage of those and writes about that in this article. 
and we love Holly uh, and encourage people to read this article in essence because um, it's important stuff. And we've covered several times on the show. We've had travel agents be on the show and talk mm -hmm. about how, you know, sometimes families feel like travel is just not going to be something that they can do because they have a child on the spectrum. There are cruises uh, and we love hearing that beaches is inclusive and, uh, you know, we've had people on the show before talk about being able to go to places like New York and Boston and be, be able to be hooked up with tours of uh, museums that are, are going to be inclusive and friendly and prepare ahead of time for you and help you to prepare ahead of time. It's important because isolation is never going to be the answer. Yeah. Uh, and if you're looking of, for if you're looking for a vacation and you're in, you know, you're in the market for a great vacation, you want to check out Beaches Resorts, uh, in particularly their Turks and Caicos and Jamaica locations um, are designed with this inclusivity in mind. Yeah. So it might be a great way if you have um, a child on the spectrum to incorporate uh, them into your vacation. I, you know, Turks and Caicos, I like just seems like such an exotic. I've never been. Have you been to right. Turks and Caicos? Uh, no, uh, I've so, been to Jamaica, but not and love Jamaica. So yeah. that's well, what we should go to. We, we, we should reach out to beaches and see if the like they'd be interested in, I don't know, raffling off. Of, like for a lot of us, I think, you know, it's that's a very exotic, faraway thing. But I mean, how much would we all like to go to Turks and Caicos? Just right. not in her, just not in hurricane season. Uh, <laughs> that's your, uh, in any case, so we uh, love Holly and thank her for this wonderful article in essence. And then do we have one more story, Nancy? Or are we done? Well, we do like have one, one more story, which is about um, a pro golfer. His name is Billy Mayfair. And this is from Sports Illustrated Golf. You see it there on your screen. Um, and another really interesting read, uh, he has discovered much later in life, he discovered he was on the autism spectrum, which answered a lot of questions he had uh, concerning his life and his career as a pro golfer. You know, yesterday we had Jennifer St. Jude on the show and she was talking about her late diagnosis. Uh -huh. And and then I read this article and I was really struck because really want to encourage you guys to go and read the article because there's a I thought, why is this? He's in his mid 50s. Why is he coming out about this? But he's coming out about it specifically right now, because in some ways he feels like it has prevented him from being the best golfer that he could be because there was an incident that happened where he was questioned about something where his ball was and he answered in a specific way. And then, and he didn't communicate what he needed to say exactly the way that you're supposed to. And then there was this misunderstanding and then they accused him of being duplicitous of it, which now he understands, okay, if I had communicated it this way, they would not have thought that. And it cost him doing well in the tournament. And he ended up leaving the tour because of it, because he was so upset. He thought that he was wrongly accused. So, you know, him being able, and it was, I guess it was after that incident that his wife said, I'm putting my foot down. You got to go. I think that you can get some help. And she's been really helpful for him. 
I think for anybody who's a little bit on the fence and, and thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is something that I need to look into for myself, I, but I'm an adult. Do I really need to? I think it's a great read. Yeah, I think it's a great read. And as you said, his wife, um, she is in the article and her observations and just the challenges they have had, which can, I think are extremely relatable to anybody on the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, so, you know, I think uh, when you read the article, you see that it's improving his life in many different ways, both in his work as a golfer, um, but in his relationship with his wife. So um, pretty remarkable. So we really want to thank Billy for being open and honest and for sharing this information. I think it's going to really help a lot of people. Um, perfect. So Nancy, I believe yes. that we've got Karen Nolte with us and we've been keeping her waiting. I apologize oh, for that. Always good to have Karen on the show. Yes, we we take requests from you guys about research. You see Nancy and I stumble through the news stories where we have to say words that we don't, we don't know how to pronounce. And we're like, okay, this study says this, but what does this mean? So once a month, we have somebody from Card Research join us to sort of tell us things that we didn't already know. And you guys specifically asked to hear more about listening therapy. So let's welcome Karen Nolte back to the show. Karen, so nice to have Hi, you again. Nice to be on again. I always enjoy it. <laughs> and Karen, tell us exactly what your title is. My title is Research Director at CARD. Okay. The Center for Autism and That's Related nice. Disorders. Yes. And, yes. and But you still work, you know, you do research, but you still work directly one-on-one -on -one with individuals on the spectrum. Uh, I, I do, yes. I think that's really important to stay connected. I don't wanna just be looking at the research and doing research without having that that one-on-one -on -one connection. And you're a really compassionate I, I, scientist. I, I'm just gonna say that, clinician, um, because I think a lot of times we, uh, when we think of people that are driven by data and science, we think of people who are, are, are a little on the cool side. Uh, but that is not Karen. Karen is a really compassionate, empathetic uh, clinician. And, and I see you bring that to all of the research that you do and that you discuss with us. So thank you for being so amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, and we did have people um, ask us about listening therapies. And Nancy and I were talking earlier about the fact that these seem, things seem to be phasal that many years ago, there was a lot of hoopla around listening therapies. And then it seemed to go away. And now it's back again. But everybody, like I was telling you that it was called Baralt and you came back to me and said, no, Shannon, it's Berard. And I was like, really? That's how long it's been off the, the mainstream that I had renamed yeah. it. <laughs> but it's very interesting yeah. to me that the industry has also renamed it also that people aren't calling it Tomatis or Berard anymore. They're calling it listening therapy. And, 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 and I want to hear what you have to say, because I think it has to do with what you're going to say. So tell us, sure. what'd you find? Sure. Well, first of all, I want to talk about what listening therapy is. It's also called, you know, auditory integration training. Like you said, Berard, Tomatis is another another term people may have heard, Simona sound therapy. So, so there are a lot of terms and, and you know, all of these are under that same umbrella um, of, of listening therapy. Um, you know, and, you know, each of those approaches is a little bit different, but in general, what these, what these techniques all involve is a focus on improving sound sensitivity, 
and treating behaviors that result from pain or agitation due to that hypersensitivity that individuals experience. And all these methods involve listening to music um, or sounds or nature sounds that have been modified or filtered in some way, and you listen for a certain period of time. And for most of these methods, it's, it's okay. You might listen for half an hour, uh, twice a day for 10 days, something like that. There's usually certain schedules that are prescribed with this. And the goal of these treatments is to improve auditory processing and concentration. And you know these techniques are not unique to autism, but to a large extent, that's how it was popularized. And you know, now um, the criteria for autism does include uh, hypersensitivities as one of the criteria. So it makes sense why this type of therapy would be focused on autism. Okay. And these so, therapies are generally quite intensive, are they not, Karen? They are, they are. They're usually more short-term, but intensive in that short-term. Right. Because mm -hmm. I remember when Wyatt was younger, I considered some of these therapies. Shannon, did you consider these therapies? Absolutely. We looked into AIT and we've actually had Kimberly Herwall. I'm not going to remember what her last hyphenated right. name is. We've had her on the show talking about IET. It was very expensive. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, like cost prohibitively. Um, so that is why we didn't do it. I'll be honest. I didn't see, I wasn't after looking at it, I wasn't as much looking at it for my son as I was looking at it for me. Mm. I have a really hard time with noise and concentrating. And, and I was hearing stories of families that the whole family would do it because once you pay for one person, often it was like more cost effective to do the whole family. And I would hear the dad had a, like an epiphany and experienced the world differently Maybe the child didn't, but that the mom did or the dad did. So I was interested in it for me, but it was way too expensive. So what about, we tasked you with finding out what's the research behind, is it worth it for that much money? Is there any bang for your buck? Yes, does it actually work? So I looked into this. Um, first of all, I found a review that was done in 2011. Um, so a couple years ago um, by Sin and colleagues. And what they did is they identified randomized control trials on AIT with autistic individuals. And, you know, randomized control trials are considered the gold standard generally, um, in part because they include a treatment and a control group. Um, and that leads us to have a lot of confidence in the results of these kind of studies. So with AIT, that would involve, the treatment group would involve a group that received the AIT treatment and a control group that didn't or received it a delay. Um, so they, they looked at the, at the literature, they found seven studies, seven of these types of studies and looked at the results. So in three of them, there was no benefit seen in the groups that received AIT versus the control group. In an additional three, the, these were all smaller studies, the AIT group showed some improvements, but there was there were some concerns about the validity of the tests. I'm not gonna go into those details, but you know, some, some science-y research-y concerns. Um, and also not all the studies showed statistical significance. It's like, okay, what do we care about this? I mean, we care because, okay, is the amount of improvement enough to actually have real world effects? Right. And if it doesn't even show statistical significance, is it actually going to have some real world effects? There's some question there. Um, so those were the first six studies. The last study um, assessed impact on language and found no difference between the AIT group and a control group. 
So the authors of this review concluded that there's no evidence that AIT is effective with the autistic population and that it should be considered experimental. So, you know, in summary here of those seven studies that they looked at, only two showed statistically significant improvements, um, and it wasn't seen across all of the things that they measured. Um, this review also looked at adverse events, basically side effects, which I think is another really important piece here. Only two of those seven studies measured it, and they reported only minor side effects that didn't seem to differ between the control group and the AIT group. So that, that is a little bit encouraging on that set of things. Um, but that's what that review found. Okay. So the takeaway, because you know I always like to restate it and go, do I have it right? So the takeaway is that across seven studies, they didn't see a, something significant to say Ooh, why we would run out and do this, but there weren't any significant drawbacks either. So mm -hmm. if, you know, if you were going to want to do this, you would need to go into it knowing it's going to cost a lot and it may not have a big uh, benefit for you, but if you tried it, it's likely not going to hurt your child. Right, right. Okay. I, I did look into a little bit more research here because, you know, randomized control trials are the gold standard, but maybe there was some evidence that wasn't as stringent. And, you know, I didn't didn't really find any any less stringent support either. You know, there are two um, really comprehensive reviews that were done more recently, two more recently than 2011. Um, and the first one is the National Standards Project. And they looked at a lot of different types of interventions for individuals with autism and assessed the strength of the evidence. So they labeled AIT as unestablished, as opposed to emerging or established in terms of the strength of the evidence. And that meant there was little to no evidence in the literature. You know, and they were looking more broadly than just randomized control trials. So, so digging in a little bit deeper, um, okay, we're not finding too much evidence to support the effectiveness here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think that, that that's really important, especially if somebody is going to plunk down $5,000 right. to do a therapy and take time from, you know, it's often a really extensive, like two week, very intensive, but I, that's what I remember it being, Nancy, was $5,000. I remember uh, it being prohibitively expensive, but also it required a big time of that investment in a relatively short period of time but Wyatt would have had to miss school, miss yep. ABA therapy, yeah. and do an intensive one-on-one -on -one, um, with a, a practitioner of this at home. Yes. Yeah, that they would have to, I, what I recall was that, you know, for instance, you had to be there to, to put on the headphones and listen uh -huh. for a half an hour, and then you had to have precisely like two hours off, and then you had to come back and do the next section. So it, it really, you had to really take off like a 10 day period um, for the child to do it. And the cost of that um, beyond the $5,000 for the treatment, like what were you missing out on? What was the family missing out on? So, you know, Karen, I'm so grateful that you looked all that up. I think that gives people information so that they can make choices for themselves about how they want to spend their time and their money. Um, we try to follow the science here to say what's, what's worth it. But I think we also salute to, you know, um, if, if it's not harming somebody and if it's something, I think that everything that we do at some point, someone said, I don't know if it's effective. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, so I'm always aware of that. Um, and a lot of times there just isn't enough money to do enough research to show, but I know from my personal experience, I know people who did this, who spent the money 
And in, in one case, I know that the family really felt like it made a big difference. Uh -huh. uh, but in every other case, somebody else in the family had the difference, not the child. And that there was a frustration of, well, we just plunked down 20 grand and, you know, my husband's better, but my child, we didn't, we did this for our child and we didn't see a big, big difference. And I don't know very many people who have 25 or 20 grand laying around that isn't earmarked towards something. Um, I, I, I want to know more of those people, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know any of those people off the top of my head. Uh, so Karen, thank you so much, uh, for, is that basically, or is there more that you had? That's basically it, but I wanted to, to end on maybe maybe a little more positive note here is that, okay. that we, we do have some interventions that we know can address, um, you know, some of the some of the symptoms associated with autism, specifically like the sensory sensitivities that AIT addresses, you know, there are some things about changing the environment, environmental strategies. Um, we can look at gradually fading in sounds. We can look at teaching individuals to communicate when a sound is painful. So there are certain things that, that are evidence-based that, that I wanted to kind of end on that note. It's not like, okay, we just can't address these things at all. There, there are some strategies that we know do, do work for, for different. And one of the one of the things that I want to put out there that I don't feel like gets talked about enough is that in skills there is a section in the um, academic curriculum that is on phonemic awareness, yes. and and I think that it's one of the most brilliant things that there is. I think it's the unsung hero of skills, um, and that and I have heard people have great success with it's, you know, there's just a series of lessons of having, helping to tune your child's ear to certain sounds because in the English language, we have so many, the English language is very hard to hear. Um, we have so many diphthongs and triphthongs. When you just think about when you say the word hour, um, that's hard to say. That's a triphthong hour and uh, you, former speech teacher, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, not only do you have to hear all of those sounds, which are very hard to hear, especially if somebody talks a little bit, you know, different than what you perceive. So if they have an accent or, you know, are, are using any colloquialisms, harder to hear, but then you have to sort out, are they talking about an hour that is 60 minutes? Or are they talking about hour as in possession? We have so many words in the English language that sound exactly the same that you have to be able to pick apart the sounds and understand context. And that phonemic awareness set of lessons and skills is unlike anything else that I'm aware of. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, that's actually helped me. Yeah. I'm just going to say. Um, but so the next thing, somebody else reached out to me this week, Karen, and said now... There's a lot of people that are saying that vision therapy also could help with the auditory processing. But oh. there is there is a group of people that have glasses now um, that they put on an individual and that it helps them to hear better. So now I would love it if you and your team would look at vision therapy to see if that is helpful at all, but does vision therapy help with sensory processing? Okay, I will have my team look into it. We'll, we'll get back to you on a future show. <laughs> all right, um, because there, right now, especially on Facebook, there are a lot of ads 
I don't know what you guys get, but I get this over and over now because we've been talking about listening therapies. And there's one ad in particular that is about a boy. Uh, there's an article where the mom says he was having trouble focusing. He was having trouble listening and that they, he got a pair of these glasses and they say, these glasses help me to hear better. Um, and it's, they're not the first people to make this claim. Um, so it's a very interesting, we'd love to hear more about that. Well, and I have heard that um, there are individuals who experience uh, senses differently and they might experience one sense like we experience a different sense. So maybe we can pull in some of that information as well to, to highlight how this might be experienced by an individual. Yeah. Well, what interests me, I mean, um, you know, with dyslexia, many, many years ago, they started discovering when I was teaching um, and I had a bunch of students who were uh, considered to have dyslexia, they gave us squares of carpet to teach them spelling because I, I would have students and they would reverse their B's and their D's and their E's, but the minute you would have them spell it on the carpet because there was the sensory, um, they were able to write it just fine. But if the longer away from the carpet, the harder it was for their brain to decode it. And then since that time, of course, they've come out with the colored sheets I don't know if you know this, Nancy, but for many people with dyslexia, the, the words jump around, but they have found that different people, different colors, uh, and it's very mainstream now for teachers. You can go to any teacher supply store and they'll sell you a box of colored sheets specifically for individuals with dyslexia. And you, you place a colored sheet on top of the text and they'll say, the student will say to you, what did you just do? The words aren't jumping around. Yeah, it's, it's just the color. So part of it is, is that these glasses, I'm, uh, to my understanding, are color coded. Uh -huh. So instead of having a sheet that you put over something, it's glasses, it's literally the rose colored glasses. Yes, I have heard of that technique. So, uh, so we'd love to know if that's a hoax or if that's a real thing, Karen. I'll look into it. Yeah, well, we can um, it. <laughs> it sounds it sounds hoaxy to me, but the fact that it works with dyslexia makes me go maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I want a pair of rose-colored glasses. <laughs> don't you, Nancy? That's what. Yeah, I, see the all world. right. Well, Karen, we so appreciate you, and we look forward to having you or somebody from your team back on in May. We want to wish you a very happy April whether it's autism awareness, autism acceptance, autism action, autism other A word that you're uh, commemorating and celebrating this month, we thank you for being here. Great, well, thank Great. you. Thank you, Karen. All right, you take care. Take care, take care. And um, um, Shannon, we had somebody write in, um, Helen Buckley, I have also dyslexia, yellow overlay works for me. And isn't that fascinating? I think that that is a really, um, the brain is such an interesting village. Mm -hmm. And the fact that each one of us has, a, you know, this very different brain that processes in very different ways. But how fascinating is that, that a yellow overlay um, can make things better? I, you know, a lot of what they're saying right now um, you know, Jem just had to have new glasses done and they specifically asked me this time if we wanted the, the bluing that helps with looking at screens. They're finding that so many of us are spending so much time looking at screens and it's causing eye fatigue. Right, and there's special glasses now for 
what to wear when you're looking at your screen. Well, it, and now apparently you get your regular glasses and they'll add a tint to it so that ah. your regular glasses do it, which I, you know, this is the first time, like I'd heard of the other glasses before, but I was like, what do you, you know, so now you're wearing two pairs of glasses if you're wearing glasses. Right now I'm wearing glasses that have absolutely no, uh, this is so that I, in COVID I don't have to wear makeup. I'm just giving okay. away my, my, my tricks. Uh, I had, I got an eye infection and I couldn't wear eye makeup. And I, so I just, I popped the lenses out and you, you guys, but so that's my, uh, look, look at how tired I look. I've got no eye makeup on. Um, but, but I wear glasses, um, and I need glasses now for everything. The eyesight is going. Um, but I was like, how many pairs of glasses, you know, do, you know, I have my prescription sunglasses. I have my readers, I have my glasses when I'm going to watch a movie and now I got to have glasses for, for, you know, it's too many pairs of glasses. Uh, it's too many. Say. Um, so, but apparently they, they put it right into your lens that, you know, it cuts out whatever the, I don't, it adds blue or takes away blue. I don't know. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes. I want to, I want to go back to Rhea wrote back in, she had written, written in and said, my son is going to be doing online only because ABA time needs 20 hours. And she, and we asked her, is that school or other? So he's going to be doing school online so that he can do his 20 hours of ABA. You know, I, I, I'm not a fan of COVID, uh, nor should I, uh, do I think anybody should be, but I do think that there have been some good things that have come out of us living the way we've lived for the last year and I think one of them is that education is seeing that they can do things in different ways. So I hope that online works for your son because I think prioritizing that 20 hours of ABA is truly awesome. And I just want to congratulate you on doing that. I know it's hard, but I really believe it's going to be worthwhile for you. But I hope that the online education goes well. Both of our sons have ha spent a lot of time with online education this last year. It, it's been a mixed bag, wouldn't you say, Nancy? Yes, definitely. Because Wyatt's in vocational school, and I think it's very hard to teach a lot of those vocational skills without being hands-on. So I had my real concerns about it um, and continue to as he he's doing a hybrid of uh, in-person and online schooling and i in this case i think it's just really difficult to teach those skills online but yeah. it, they've had to make do and he's adjusted uh we're lucky that he was able to continue um with school so um you know i think i think a lot of parents are making they're making do with with what they can um exactly. it's not ideal but they're they're having to make do Exactly. And my son has been on distance learning well over a year. His school is just offering a hybrid hybrid program starting on Monday. And he only has like five weeks left before he graduates. And, and he had the choice to go back or to finish online. And he chose online. Uh -huh. um, he said, you know, it's, I'm, you know, personally, I think it's a little crazy with five weeks left in the year to, to retool everything, but for some kids, I think it's like really super important, but he, I think in some ways it's been really hard for my son, but in other ways it's been easier. Like there, there's the social component of school and the learning component of school. And what this did was separate them. 
Um, so when he was learning, he was not having to worry about all the social stuff. Um, he, he found ways, he was so good at finding ways outside of school to socialize. And he basically said to me, I said, don't you want to be with your friends? And he said, going to school with masks on and being six feet apart is not going to be with my friends. Mm -hmm. um, I can be with my friends after school. I would rather just focus on school when I'm at school. It's just easier. And, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, you know, whatever works. I do want to say hello to Huma, who's writing in from Pakistan. I'm saying hello Hi, to Anna. Nasser is with us from Bangalore, India. Nasser and I were just on a, a panel on a, on a show um, on Sunday that was for England and primarily for India. And so I want to send uh, love to Nasser. Um, I think that is available somewhere to listen to if you guys would like to. It was very, um, I think, an interesting conversation. There were four of us on the panel. Um, Helen, we're saying hello to Helen. We're saying hello from Bhutan to Chimi. Oh. Hope I, I pronounced that right. And to uh, Mary, we're saying hello to you, Mary. So glad that you're here. And of course, hello to Helen. I want to take just a second to talk about um, next week, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, but we have time for one question if somebody wants to write in a question for either myself or for Nancy. But on Tuesday, Nancy, we're having Temple Grandin, Dr. Temple Grandin back live. Great. And so it's the only time she'll be on with us in the month of April this year. Um, she's going to be here and I still need questions, you guys. I know everybody wants to write in and ask her a question live. That isn't really the best method for her. Um, in fact, Temple usually asks me, get the questions ahead of time, because I'll tell you what will happen. Somebody will write in and say, um, it happens in every show that we do. Somebody will write in and say, how do I get my child to sleep? Right. And then, then somebody else goes, Oh, I want to ask a sleep question too, but that comes in. So we answer the first sleep question. Then we move on to a question about reading comprehension and somebody else wants to talk about sleep. And, it, and, and it's like, Oh, if we just knew that all the questions somebody wanted to ask about sleep, we could cover all of those at one point. And that's really how Temple likes it. Um, and Temple is also someone who likes to answer your questions about uh, whether it's her opinion of being a person with a diagnosis or um, to, to get inside the head of the individual that you're either, whether it's you or somebody else to help you with real world strategies. She doesn't want to answer questions that are clinical or medical because she will tell you that is not her area. And I really respect her, um, but she feels sad if you write her about something that's clearly a clinical question that you're dealing with and, and, and it, you know, it, it's for her as it would be for anybody, if somebody wrote to you and said, you know, I don't know what to do because you know, my arm is in pain and you're not a doctor, you feel bad. You feel like, Oh, I don't know what to do for you. So that's why she wants us to curate the questions. So I'm taking questions right now. You can either write them in for Temple here um, or you can send them to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. Now, Nancy, you've gotten to interview Dr. Grandin and I think you're a much better interviewer than I am. Oh, well, I don't uh, know that, but well, I, I, did I, get to, I did get to interview her several years ago and found it to be a fascinating experience. Um, it's just amazing to be able to glimpse, get a glimpse inside 
that uh, complex, wonderful brain of hers. And um, yeah, yeah. And she's very open and honest and what I found to be incredibly direct. Yes. Oh, yes. And and she'll let you know if you if she doesn't like the question, you right. know, she doesn't like she's very good with boundaries. I feel like every time I talk to her, I learn about boundaries that she'll say, no, nope, I'm not going there. Uh, no, nope, that's I, I'm not interested in talking about that. I'd rather talk about this. Um, you know, she's she's a really she's a great lady. She's a lady of yes. grace. But if you could ask now, even though you've interviewed her before, if you had a question for her on Tuesday, what would your question for Temple be? Um, I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. Honestly, I guess I would ask her, given all of the attention, national attention that she's gained, um, what does she, is she happy about that? Has that been... Has that enriched her life or would she prefer to go back and not be, as I said to her, you're probably arguably the most famous person in the world of autism and what that limelight, um, whether she would choose to go back and not have that intense focus on her, her own personal story. Oh, I think I'm going to ask her that on Tuesday because I want to okay. hear her answer. I can guess what I think she would say, what but I'd rather hear it say? from her. Um, when I, I talked to her the other day and she's been a year at home, like all of us. Okay. And she's somebody who goes and tours and usually has like one talk a week that she does. And, you know, she gets on planes and she goes places and she does the talks and she always talks about seeing people in the airports and talking to people in the airports. And, um, and, you know, she's been a year of not doing that. And the other day when I talked to her to firm all this up, she was telling me that she said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off the phone with you, Shannon. I'm going right to the airport because for the first time in over a year, I'm getting on a plane to go someplace to do a talk. And, uh, and she sounded so excited ah. um, to be able to do that. I think she gen I think she's genuinely missed it. Uh -huh. um, so, but it would be interesting. I'm going to ask her the question to hear, you know, my favorite question that I ever asked her and I could kick myself because we weren't on camera uh -huh. uh, when I, when I asked her this, um, but it was the first time that I interviewed her and I was so nervous. I, you could have bounced a quarter off my head. And it, it was so, I was waiting to interview her because somebody else was interviewing her and then she was going to have lunch and then I was going to get to interview her. And she came through the door and sat in the lobby of the hotel directly opposite me. And I, and I stood up and I said, uh, Dr. Grandin, I, you know, I'm going to be the next person to interview you. And she said, no, 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 I'm having lunch first. And I said, yes, 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 yes. No, you're having lunch. And then I'm interviewing you again with the boundary. I love seeing that, the, the boundary. And, and I said, I just want to introduce myself. I will be the next person interviewing you. And she said, okay, great. And then, and then I sat back down and she went back to her work and she looked up and she said, well, I'm going to lunch. Would you like to go with me? And I, and I was like, <laughs> and I, everything in my being wanted to say, yes, I want to go have lunch with you. But I knew that my crew was arriving and we had to set up. And so I had to be a responsible adult and go, I'm so sorry, I'm not able to go right now. And she was like, all right, another time. 
But later, then we were in the room and we interviewed her. It was great. Then we started taking all the lights and the camera down. And we, and she and I were just sitting and talking. And the question I said to her, I said, you know, do you think you're, you're going to stop teaching at some point? Uh, are you going to retire from teaching and just be a speaker? And she said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to retire from teaching. And she said, teaching is what I do for myself as a woman. That's what I do for myself. That's who I am. I'm a teacher. I'm never going to stop teaching. And she said, besides which, the only reason that you're all interested in me, the only reason why people listen to me as a voice of someone on the spectrum is because I have a job. I'm working a job and it's a job I happen to be really good at. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, but if I stopped doing that, none of you would be interested in me. And I, I always think about that and think that, especially her saying, that's what I do for myself as a woman. Right. Ooh, that was just a powerful, yeah. powerful yeah. moment. And to see, you know, that, that inner, she, she said, I'm a teacher. That's who I am. And I love teaching. And of course we didn't know at the time, but now um, it's been disclosed that when Temple goes and speaks and she commands a pretty high um, speaking fee, Me. all of, all of that money goes into a scholarship fund. So none of her students have graduated with debt. She gives scholarships to her students, which is insanely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, just insanely beautiful. I'm a, can you tell I'm a huge fan of hers? Anyway. Everybody should write in their questions because it's a rare opportunity to get yes. inside the brain of this remarkable woman who has been such yep. an influence. And you'll all be frustrated with me on Tuesday because you'll be writing in questions and I'm not going to attend to those. I'm going to attend to the ones that were sent beforehand. So if you want a question answered, send it to me now. Uh, On Monday, on Monday, we um, are doing a best of um, where we're going to do a compilation of some of the best interviews that we've done on Autism Live. So I think you guys are going to really love that. Then on Tuesday, we have Temple Grandin live. And then uh, Dr. Grand Pichet is going to be with us on Wednesday. And on Thursday and Friday, we've got a couple of uh, dads we think that are going to be joining us, but we also have reached out and I hope that we get to have Mark Rober uh, or somebody else from Next. I'm I'm kind of up in arms about this, you guys. I think it's really important. I hate it when somebody says something about somebody that isn't true, especially when someone I think we've all been here. You try to do something good. You try to do something right. And somebody says something about you that's untrue and smears you. It just really hurts my heart. And these are people who are trying to do something good and right for our teens and adults on the spectrum. And so we've saved some time. Hopefully we're going to get somebody to to represent um, because I feel the need to support them in their quest to be honest and disclose what their mission is and where this money is going and why people should support it. So that's what our week is looking like next week to finish off. Yeah. So we'll, we'll disclose as we know who's going to be on and and when they're going to be on. But questions in, get those questions in for Dr. We're out of time, but thank you guys so much for being here, Nancy. It's so good to be back. um, back Missed you, my friend. 
All right. Uh, we'll be back um, live on Tuesday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.